God is always good. Of course He's always good. That's who He is. Today we have some guests with us from Africa. Many of you, every month, some more frequently than that, give in Faith Promise to help support our missionaries around the world. Today we have a missionary family with us. They are Ronald and Shelley Miller. Uh, Ronald is uh, from South Africa. He's a South African. He's from Cape Town, down where the penguins are. And, uh, and uh, so he met his wife, who was serving as a missionary in Johannesburg, and uh, something happened, and they got married. So, uh, so uh, they, they are now serving together. They've served in Swaziland. They've served in Madagascar. Now they are back at the, the uh, headquarters of the Church of the Nazarene in uh, Africa, and that headquarters is in Johannesburg, and they are serving the Church of the Nazarene in Africa, and they and their children are here with us today, and so let us welcome them as they come to share with us the, the Word of God and the ministry of what God is doing there. Good morning, everyone. You know, Pastor, this second service is a little bit more rowdy than that first service. You know, you all are raising your hands. You put on your deodorant. I don't think that first service put on their deodorant this morning. So um, good for you. Uh, we are excited to be here with you this morning. We are the Millers. And um, I'm just quickly going to introduce our family to you this morning. Um, we, ha we have four children. Don't worry, there is TV in Africa, but we still have four children. Um, our oldest is, is Abigail, and she is 12 years old. She likes to play the guitar, and she enjoys sports, particularly field hockey, um, which I did not grow up with field hockey, but I have heard it is a thing on the East Coast. And for, because I'm from Indiana, you do live on the East Coast, even though you don't actually live near the ocean, but you know. Um, and she also is very good at chess. Um, on the next slide, our son Malachi, he's 10 years old. He plays the piano. He also enjoys uh, field hockey and soccer, which um, for those of you here in America, that's the largest sport in the world, even though it's not necessarily here in the United States. Uh, Malachi also loves to play video games, unfortunately. I wasn't able to keep that out of his system. On the next slide, we have our son Elijah. He's six years old. He loves to jump on our trampoline, and he loves anything that has to do with transformers and airplanes, and he wants to be a pilot when he grows up, and he's in the first grade. And then our daughter Eden, she's four. Um, she has never met a stranger, and she loves to color, and she loves the color pink. And she starts kindergarten in January. That's when our school year starts in South Africa. So um, she will be a big, bad kindergartner in, in January. On the next slide, it just kind of gives you a little bit. I know your pastor highlighted our journey a little bit. I grew up in Indiana, mostly. Ronald grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, and we did. We met in Johannesburg. We have ministered in Swaziland, where we were helping with the establishment of Southern Nazarene University. Uh, sorry, Southern Africa Nazarene University in Manzini, Swaziland. And then we moved to Madagascar for five years. Uh, where we worked with Compassionate Ministries and um, we were the mission coordinators for the country of Madagascar. And now we have moved back to Johannesburg, South Africa. We've been back there for three years now. And on the next slide, 
um, we it talks about uh, some of these are the stats of Africa as a continent. Um, there are 1.3 billion people on the continent of Africa and 54 independent countries. Sometimes people will talk about Africa as though it's one country. It's not. It's many, many countries with uh, 3,000 um, ethnic groups and 2,000 spoken languages. And as I told the first service, I have still held on to my American card. I am still monolingual. I still only speak English. Out of all those languages, I can muddle my way through in a couple of them, but that's about it. Now, for the Church of the Nazarene, we have 704,000 members in the Church of the Nazarene in Africa, and 105,000 of those are in NYI. Now, our ministry specifically is with NYI. We work, uh, we work most closely with the NYI ministries, the youth ministries in Africa. We have the Church of the Nazarene is in 42 countries in Africa, and we have seven uh, established fields in Africa with 137 districts, 9,009 churches on the continent. On the next slide, this is a bit of an overview of what it is that we do on the African continent. Um, we, as I said, uh, we, are, we are mostly under the umbrella of NYI ministries, and underneath of that, we deal with urban ministries, youth mission teams, Bible quizzing, we do resource development, leadership development, and we also um, work with large events as well. And on the next slide, this gives you a little bit of an overview of the fields in Africa. You see there's a gray area there at the top. Now, that doesn't mean we're not there. We are there, but that's our creative access area. So those are our heavily Muslim countries where we have to go in in a more creative way. Uh, but we do indeed have missionaries in place, uh, particularly I know in Morocco, um, but also in other places uh, in Africa as well in that gray area. But you'll see the colorful, the different colors represent the different fields there in Africa. Well, good morning. I was told this, uh, by someone I must keep the mic. Is it okay like this? Like this? All right. So I greet you in the name of Jesus, and uh, thank you again, Pastor Mark, for inviting us. I just have a small correction. You said I met my wife. But my wife came to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just a, you know, just to, to make sure. <laughs> yeah, but I think we met each other halfway. Um, the, the picture at the back, I just want to, you know, uh, t talk to you a little bit about what we are doing. Um, this is where I normally start. I like these, these kind of pictures. It paints a good picture of the church, it's like a good selfie, isn't it? Like uh, when you take the selfies or the good angles, it looks good. But if you go to this picture, it is actually what is happening in the church. Uh, the dots is indicating where the church is present in Africa. And you can see that there's a lot of work. There's a lot of empty space. It's a reality check for me of how much work we still have to do. So what do we do? If you go to the next slide, and NYI, we focus on three main points, uh, three strategic points, and that is be, do, go. For those of you who are familiar with NYI, be, do, go is, uh, stands for evangelism, uh, discipleship, do, and uh, leadership is the go part. Now I want to start by talking about what do we do to do evangelism. There's a lot of things that we are still doing that uh, may be outdated here. We go on the streets, we knock on doors, uh, we do street evangelism go to schools, but one of the, the areas where the church has asked us as a couple to focus on is urban ministry. Uh, why urban ministry or why inner city ministry? Well, 
the statistic says by the year 2030, more than 50% of the population in Africa will be living in cities. And that means that we have to be where the people are at, where people are going to. I just uh, visited a few weeks ago, I visited uh, DRC Kinshasa. DRC has a population of 12 million people in one city alone. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of people, and we need to be where people are at. That's because God loves people. And so uh, one of my focus points is to be in the city. Someone said that if the church of God is not going to find new ways of dealing with people in the city, we will be a church looking in from the outside. There will be problems, there will be issues, but we will not be part of bringing transformation. Our, our main thing, if I go to the next slide, is to bring transformation and hope to the people of Africa, uh, into the cities. And a lot of people are saying, but how can we, we plant churches? There are so many new churches already in the cities. We, we're talking more uh, than just a church, just a building. We're talking about uh, touching the lives of people, adding value, teaching people how to fish, not just giving them fish, but how to, how to fish, how to um, have a, a better outlook, a more positive outlook on life. And so uh, pray with us as we find ways of how to do that. One of the ways that we, that we use, if you go to the next slide, is we, we use um, young, young people in, in missions. Uh, we had a team uh, this year from uh, South, Southern Nazarene University, SNU. If you go to the next slide, we had a team from PLNU, Point Loma Nazarene University. One of the things that we do is to make sure that when we have a team coming from wherever, that we put them with African young people. There's a, a cross, I want to say breeding, but it's not cross breeding. There's mutual teaching going on. Uh, that's, that's not PC. That, that's not right. But with this team, uh, you know, this is the good news. When young people are getting involved in missions, that 16 young people got saved with this team showing the Jesus film. Um, showing the Jesus film. 16 young people got saved. This is the, this probably for me is the exciting part of the 16 people that one of these young people were, are the, the daughter of the pastor of that church where we ministered in. And she said, you know, Mom, we, you, you ministered to us, to me, and you preached, but I never got to understand what you're talking about. But where there's peer-to-peer -peer ministry, it is effective. And she got saved. She's loved, she's got, she just got baptized last week, weekend. And so that is exciting. Please pray for us and with us as we look at ways how to, to minister to people in the city. Um, on the next slide, um, we are getting ready to really start Bible quizzing. Now, I was able to speak uh, with a, a man, an extremely tall man here in your church. I was looking up at him. He shared with me an app that they use with your quizzing program here. And... Um, and I haven't even showed Ronald yet, but this, that app, things like that, the information that you have here that helps 
you to get these programs off the ground is information that we could really use as we start to try to introduce particularly teen Bible quizzing or youth Bible quizzing. We've done the children's Bible quizzing in Africa in, in some of our countries, and it's gone, it's gone okay, but we have no youth Bible quizzing whatsoever. And we feel that that's a great way uh, of discipleship, of getting God's word hidden in the hearts of our young people. You know, we have found that the, the and, and you probably find it here in the U.S. as well, but the actual um, biblical knowledge that our young people have is, is, is a bit shocking. It's quite low. And, um, and we want that we feel that Bible quizzing is one of the ways that we can improve that. And, and going hand in hand with that is resource development. Getting the resources out there into the hands of our people who are able to use it and able to, to read it. And um, sometimes things that we get from the U.S. work in Africa, and sometimes they don't. So sometimes we have to then uh, put our heads together and try to develop something that is more, um, more focused on Africa and more usable in Africa. And uh, another thing that we do are these events um, with our field leadership. Uh, Ronald travels to all of the fields in Africa each year and does field leadership training. Um, and he'll speak about that a little bit more in, in just a minute. Uh, the next thing is the third wave. Um, now, some of you might be involved in that or have heard of that. It involves all of our NYI regions of the world. So that means that somebody from here in the eastern United States is going well, actually, it'll be several somebodies from your regions. Your region here are going to be going to India at the beginning of 2019 in January. And you will be joining with other young leaders from around the world. And um, for the first time ever, we're having over 20 people from the continent of Africa who are able to attend this event. Now, India is, is pretty gracious with their visas. And so we were able to get, um, we've got some guys going from um, the Congo and from Madagascar. And sometimes places like that, it's very difficult for them to get visas to get into to many different countries. Um, but India has been gracious and granted us those visas. So we will be taking over 20 young people to that event. Um, and Ronald will also be traveling there as well. Right after we finish our, our time here in the U.S., he basically heads straight over there to India. Um, and in 2021, we are also already gearing towards the global NYI convention. That's General Assembly. You guys are probably thinking, my goodness, we just finished that. And yes, you did just finish it. But um, it's something that we have to already be planning for and be encouraging our leaders to start planning for it to attend. Because this global convention, I think if, if any of you have grown up in the Church of the Nazarene and you've attended General Assembly or your district, even on your district, you get together with people, you kind of, you recognize you're part of this larger family. But um, sometimes there in Africa, you, you feel a little bit isolated. Um, and, and it can be a little bit lonely. And to come to an event like General Assembly and see all of these tens of thousands of people who are a part of your Nazarene family and your, your larger family of God is an extraordinary thing for, um, for some of our leaders in Africa. And um, also, we have the Field Youth Conferences and the NYC. Now, I know at the uh, end of your service, you're going to be having an announcement about your NYC here in the United States which is in Phoenix, which is where my NYC was. Take your sunblock, people. And your deodorant, extra deodorant. Um, and uh, and I, um, we kind of looked at each other when, when she said the price because it's, it's gone up. Obviously, you guys have to fly from here, I'm sure. You're not going to drive from here to Phoenix, I don't think. And so that obviously um, pushes up your price of your event. But our NYC is only $150 if anybody would like to come. <laughs> 
No, but we have an NYC in Ghana, in Accra, Ghana in 2020. And it is, I'm serious, it's open to anybody. Um, we would like to have 3,000 young people from Africa there, but it is open to anybody. If some of you have a child who's a little bit aimless and not sure what they want to do in life, send them to Ghana. Maybe they'll find their path. Who knows? Um, but um, And then the final thing is uh, with discipleship is we are working heavily on the story-centric approach. Now, what that means is that um, throughout history, African um, African culture has been very oral. They tell a story and they pass that story down to the next generation because in some countries there is not a great education system. So we deal with high levels of illiteracy. Now in, in other countries, um, the illiteracy can be very low. For example, we live in South Africa. We have a great education system. So our illiteracy rate in South Africa is very low. But if you were to go somewhere like um, the Congo or to uh, Rwanda or some other places, uh, where they've had um, lots of war and genocide and things, their illiteracy rate will be higher because people just have not been able to, to have access to education. So we are working on this story-centric approach or telling the story of Jesus Christ orally to people and having them tell the story to others and passing on the good news of Jesus Christ in that manner. And then it's over to you. Thank you. Well... The last, part, the last part of of our focus is the go part of B2Go. A big part of that is leadership development. And I worked out that in the span of one year, uh, from Jan till, till today, we trained about 3,000 leaders in Africa. And that is going to different events, and I'm going to go through this very quick. Uh, University of, um, in, in, in uh, Kenya, uh, about 2,500 people, uh, students. Uh, this is actually a yearly, actually twice a year, we have an outreach, a revival services of two weeks, and uh, we are able to touch more than 2,000 young people in that time. Um, if you go to the next slide, Ghana 250, and these are just numbers to indicate that leadership development is happening. Um, I'm hoping that uh, it, it doesn't sound like we're doing a lot, but we are getting to people who can influence other young people, who can influence their communities. And so we can go on, uh, Zimbabwe, um, Ghana, Zambia, Ethiopia, DRC. And then I want to stop at the, at the NYC 20 um, slide. If you go to the next one and to the next one, it's all just um, opportunities that God is giving to us to be able to train leaders. Uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Lusaka, others in Ethiopia, and then the DRC, Kinshasa, 25 young leaders. And then if you go to the next slide, it, sp it speaks about what um, Shelley spoke about in terms of the NYC. Uh, it is an opportunity that we have to touch the lives of 3,000 3, young leaders. Next slide. Uh, let's go to the, to the growth of Christianity in Africa, because I just want to pause and go a bit slower in the last section of our presentation. Um, you know, we, I think we want to, when we give these numbers, we want to say how the church is moving on. That amidst the, in, in Africa, we have the Ebola crisis, we have human trafficking, prostitution, unemployment. But I want to say to you this morning that amidst all that, the church is still moving on. 
that uh, people are still coming to know Christ. Uh, a little bit of statistics. In 1900, if you can just look at the first bullet point, uh, population of Africa was 34.5 million compared Muslim uh, population compared to roughly 10 million Christians. So Muslim outnumbered Christians by then. If you go to the next slide, the, the next two bullet points, for me those are important. In 2000, the number of Christians in Africa grew to 346 million, with 330 million Muslims con concentrated mostly in the Arab-speaking regions of Egypt and North and West Africa. And in the projected figure for 2005 was 390 million Christians, with 600 million estimated for 2025. It is a saying that the church is growing, that people are coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. If we look to the, at the map, you will see the concentration of Muslim people. And I'm not talking, I hope you, you know, I'm not talking about a religion. But it's where Christians are not, where we are not reaching people yet. And so if you look at the top, that is the Muslim minor, uh, majority. If you look at the yellow, it is the Christian uh, majority. Look at the small dots. It's areas where it is difficult to reach people. So if you go to the next slide, what is some of our, our struggles? For me, I, I pinpoint a struggle on one issue. And this is a picture that was taken uh, a few months ago in a place called Sunnyside, Pretoria. Your, your pastor knows about Pretoria. It's the capital, the administrative capital of South Africa. So we went into this city, Sunnyside. And uh, as we were touring, we stopped at this place, at this, at this shop. And the name of the shop is Adult World. I'm not sure if there's a lot of that in, in, in the U.S. or in this area. But uh, by the way, the adult shop is where they sell all these sexual toys and paraphernalia. My son, by the way, I think it was last year. I have to tell you this. Last year, uh, we were two couples, and we were looking for a place that we can go and eat out or just spend some time. And my son of 10 years old said, Dad, I think you guys might go and have to spend time at Adult World because it's for adults. So I'm... But when we stopped at this place, you know what this, our, our, our tour guide told us? That this Adult World is indicative of when the church is not taking its rightful place in the community. You see, this place was a church before. It didn't take its place in the community. And so I, I see that happening all over Africa. We train people, but there's an, there's an apathy. There's a, I'm not going to get involved. It's not my problem. Uh, we have it all over the, over the world, I think. It's not my problem. I'm not going to get involved. And I think... In Africa, we have that kind of problem where people are saying, hey, it's not my problem. I'm not going to get involved. Uh, if you go to the next slide, I think this says it all for me. If, if, if I can read it, it's by Edmund Burke. I, I think you might have heard this before. 
it says all that is necessary for triumph of evil, for the triumph of evil, is for good men and women to do nothing. It is happening in Africa. The, the church is, is not moving the way it's supposed to be moving because there's apathy in our communities. If I go to the next slide, there's two verses that I kind of pinpointed. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 is where David, where all kings are going out, and David says, I'm not going out. I'm staying at home. Uh, I see it in Genesis chapter 3, 6, where, where Eve gave Adam an apple, who, the Bible says, who was standing right there. Saw things going on, saw the wrong, but hey, I'm participating with that. And so I see this in, in Africa. I, I don't know if I'm talking to what is happening in America or globally, but in Africa, that is one of our biggest problems. I, I title it as going from prophetic to parliamentary. Prophetic means stopping. When, when we are prophetic, we, we are God's spokespeople in the community. We speak into things to bring life. But the church of God in Africa, I have to say Africa because that is my context, that we have stopped being prophetic in the community. And when you look at that picture of that church who gave way for adult world, is when we stop being prophetic in our community. So if we go to the next slide, I don't know if you remember the, the colors, the green Muslim majority and Christian majority. I believe, and I'm not being prophetic, but I think it's a given. If, if the church of Christ is not going to do what it's supposed to be doing, this, for me, would be the outcome. It's not a religion again, but it's where there's a different mindset that is going to popula populate our continent. If we listen to Christ, or to the Word of God in Isaiah chapter 61, the next slide, we, we have been given a mandate, and I'm not talking about Matthew 28, 19, and 20, but Isaiah chapter 61, 1 says, the sovereign Lord has filled us with His Spirit. He has chosen us and sent us to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce release to captives, and freedom to those in prison. The next slide says for me, what I think we aim for is a Christian continent. That is why we are doing what we are doing. That is why we are being. That is why we're doing evangelism and discipleship and leadership development. Because we want to see the continent of Africa one for Jesus, one for Jesus Christ. Isn't that our mandate to go out and make Christ-like disciples in the nations? My last slide and I think I'm done, says it for me. It's, it's, it's a black Africa, and not in terms of the color of our skin, but in terms of our sin, of a continent without Christ. That is not what we're aiming for. We, we're aiming for a continent with, with Christ. Um, Christ makes a difference in people's lives, isn't it? Amen. The poor... <laughs> are being fed. The hungry are being fed. Um, it makes a difference. Christ makes the difference. And this is what, I, what we're aiming for. Our plea this morning 
is for you to partner with us, to come with us and pray with us um, in any way that God is leading you uh, to partner with us. I don't know how God leads you. Um, I'm hoping that, that this community that I'm in uh, is not going to be like the church I showed you. This is my, my plea and my challenge to you this morning. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. So Christ has called us to be a light in the darkness of the world. There's sin everywhere, isn't there? Not just Africa. There are broken lives. There's the destruction that comes when we live for ourselves instead of allowing the truth of Jesus Christ to transform our lives. And he has called us all to be a light in the world. He told us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. You don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Instead, you put it on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. So as we pray today, let us each one respond to the call of God for us to be people who bring the hope of salvation and the kingdom of heaven into our world. Heavenly Father, we are your servants. We have come here today because we wanted to worship you and thank you for your mercy to us, to offer our adoration and devotion to you, and we have. And now you have told us not to just speak the words, but to live them. And so we ask for your blessing upon us all as we go from this place. We ask not just that you would bless the Millers and the others who are serving as missionaries, bringing the gospel of Jesus to places around the world, but we ask that you would give us your blessing and that we would be lights in our own world. You know the people that each one of us are going to meet this week. We pray that you will work through us as we meet them to bring your love and hope into their lives. We ask this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.